BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is super special to me because you guys, this is the 100th episode of the Blonde Files podcast. So I'll tell you guys quickly why this is so momentous for me. First of all, I was terrified to start a podcast like a few years ago, I'd rather get a root canal than do any sort of public speaking. Not that podcasting is public speaking, at least when you're recording, it doesn't feel like that. But anyway, that held me back for a long time. And then when I finally started it, it was such a labor of love. I did every single thing myself from the Instagram graphics to the editing of the episode to obviously the interviews and promotion and just everything start to finish, which is so much work. And for a year, I did it without making a penny. So to see how much the podcast has grown in two years and especially the past year is so gratifying. And I'm really just getting started. I love doing this so much and your support is what keeps it going. So just a huge thank you to everyone who listens every week, everybody who shares the episodes. Obviously, a huge thing is rating and reviewing and subscribing, hint, hint, um, supporting the sponsors. All of that helps to keep this thing going and growing. So thank you again. So my guests today are Lauren Everts Bostick and Michael Bostick. And this was also special for the 100th episode and very serendipitous how it lined up. And I'll tell you why. And I think I go over it in the episode too, but I'll tell you why here anyway. So Lauren is a blogger, a brand builder, an author, entrepreneur, and founder of The Skinny Confidential. And Michael, her husband, is an entrepreneur and CEO of Dear Media. So... I don't know if that makes him my boss. I don't know. But anyway, they've had a podcast, The Skinny Confidential, him and her for, I believe, six years now. And it's huge. I'm sure you're all familiar with it. And when I was contemplating starting my own show, I was letting all of the reasons why not to do it hold me back until I heard Lauren's advice to launch fast and adjust. And that was what finally gave me the push that I needed to just start, even though I didn't know what the F I was doing. 
And then I met them right when my podcast was starting out. And I remember being like, wow, maybe one day I can be a part of Dear Media. And here we are. So when my producer, Brian, pointed out that their episode was going to be the 100th, I was like, of course, this is a universe thing. So cool. So our conversation today kind of goes all over the place, but I promise you guys will be interested no matter who you are, no matter what you do. We talk about what it's really like podcasting and being in the digital space and being an outspoken person in today's climate. We talk about how to build a brand and have an impactful digital presence. We talk about how not to worry about labels and what other people think. We talk about let's see, navigating a career change. I know a lot of people are in transition right now. Of course, we talk about beauty. We talk about beauty standards. I was curious to hear about their thoughts on beauty standards, especially now that they have a daughter. And we talked about parenthood and how that's changed them and their perspectives in business and in their personal lives. We also talk about meditation and other lifestyle practices that we love, having boundaries with social media, which I think a lot of people are struggling with, especially this past year. And we talk about that kind of hyper connectivity, which was Michael's word. And at the end, they take listener questions and it's just a really interesting conversation. So again, thank you guys for supporting me and enjoy the episode. Okay, so I'm here with Michael and Lauren, Lauren and Michael from Skinny Confidential. And I just wanted to say that this is very serendipitous because the episode that we're recording is my 100th episode. And it's crazy because a couple years ago, I was like petrified to start a podcast. I didn't know how, I didn't know what I would talk about. And that held me back for so long. And I remember hearing you say, launch fast and adjust. And I really internalized that. And that was the thing that galvanized me to start the podcast. And then we were just talking about Alexis and when we all did that show. And that's when I met you guys, like, I guess, two years ago. It was right when I started my podcast. And I remember when you guys left and Alexis and I were like, could you imagine like one day if we're on Dear Media? And so it's very full circle. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, you're both on Dear Media. And I remember when I met you, I was like, what are these cookies? You <laughs> gave me like three to take home. And they were so good. But they were like healthy-ish cookies. My Yeah. The crowd pleaser, the air cookies. Because yeah, it's like... Those were so yeah, good. I'm like, there's applesauce in it. It's like fruit. Oh my God. <laughs> those those freaking cookies. Well, man. congratulations on 100 because that's... It's no easy feat. It's not... I mean, that, I don't think people contextualize, especially in podcasts, like how much work it actually is. You do the 100 episodes sitting like this, which is like give or take an hour. But then there's the prep work before. There's the editing after. There's the... Mar- it's a It's a ton of work. Yes. And, you know, I get people who send me in messages on Instagram or they'll send in questions about podcasting or about, you know, creating content in general. And they're like, so the podcast is what, like two hours a week? And then what do you do? And I'm like, oh, and I think that's why so many people start podcasts and then they stop after five episodes because it is so much work. But you guys were in really early. You started in 2015. How has it changed over the years and where do you think it's going? I think it's changed so much. But I do think that it's also become way more popular. It was not popular at all when we got into it. It's very similar to my blogging journey. It was not something people understood yet. Um, I think that how it's evolved and changed is that people are really taking it seriously as a medium, which is so exciting. I think that it was male-dominated in the beginning, and now there's more females in it, which is so exciting as a listener. And I also think that it's 
it used to be enough to put like the photo in the street on Instagram with like a heart emoji. And now it's caused people to level up with their content. And I also think in a way it's exposed some people for who they really are. Like maybe you you don't really want to follow that person after you listen to them on a mic, but at the same time, it's enhanced your experience and your, your connection with your community. If they like your content. I'll give you like a, more like a data driven answer. So when Lauren and I got in, the median had already exist for a long time. You know, even though we got in early 2015, 2016, it'd been around for a long time. But one interesting stat is like from 2006 to 2019, I might butcher this a little bit, but not much. It took that amount of time to build 800,000 podcasts into existence, which is a lot of podcasts. But since then, from 2019 to 2021, the the last figure I heard is there's like 2.3 million. So it's almost tripled in a span of two to three years than it it did. So obviously, it's getting more competitive. It's harder to stand out. Um, But I think the people that have longevity in this space, they speak to a dedicated audience authentically in their own way. You know, even when you take Dear Media, we went from like, what, six shows in 2019 to almost 80 now. And I'm told that we're gonna be on like sometimes it's, it's we sign people now I'm like well like I, it's happening so fast so there's obviously a lot of tension on the medium and I think it's because like something you said on on our show is that people are craving that human connection they want to know what you think how you feel um what's really going on behind the scenes and so um you know the medium speaks to that mm-hmm. yeah I mean the thing that I love about podcasting and I think you've talked about this before too Lauren is that like you can bring it with you anywhere so if I'm like sitting in traffic or if I'm in the grocery store you know it's something that you can have on all the time and you really get to know the the hosts and the and the guests and I love it it's because truly of that. the only only medium where you're respecting your audience's time I feel so good about it Um, as a creator, because I really feel like they're able to passively multitask, get their nails done and and learn about something or laugh. We were talking about Juicy Scoop, like I'll be cooking in the kitchen and it's so light and I'll be able to laugh. Um, I think that is so important now is really respecting the audience's time. It's, it's, it's a hard medium to curate. And when I say that, it's like, you know, when you think about editing an Instagram caption or a blog post or a video, there's, and, and obviously that occurs in podcasting, but if you make it to 100 episodes over that period of time, like people are going to start to figure out who you really are, right? Because you can't, it's it's hard to get on a mic and curate that every single time, even in an interview format. So I think that's why people identify with it so much is because you're really getting to see who that person really is. This episode is brought to you by Blue Blocks. They have been a sponsor for the past year. You know, I just love their products, including their blue light blocking glasses, their red lights, which I have in my bedroom, and their sleep mask. And you guys, I've done multiple episodes with experts, including Andy Mant, the founder of Blue Blocks, who discuss the effects of blue light and what it does to our biology and why it's beneficial to take precautions and use light therapy products. So we know blue light can cause eye strain, dry, watery eyes, increased anxiety, insomnia, but we probably all work on our computers and our phones and we watch TV and we are around artificial light all the time. And we actually talk about that in this episode, how screen time is probably just through the roof now. So how do we counteract that? Enter Blue Blocks. These glasses are the best for a number of reasons. They are made in optics laboratory conditions and they are exactly in line with the suggested peer-reviewed academic literature. 
They have lenses for daytime, nighttime, and for color therapy. And they come in over 20 stylish frames. My favorites are the crystal and they come in prescription, non-prescription, and readers. And unlike other companies, Blue Blocks are backed by the latest science and research, which I know is important to you guys. And they just have such an amazing range of products. So if you want to get your energy back, if you want to sleep better and block out the unhealthy effects of blue light, check out Blue Blocks today and get free shipping worldwide and 15% off with the code BLONDE. That's B-L-O-N-D-E or go to blueblocks.com slash blonde. So again, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E, or use the code blonde at checkout for 15% off. So I shared my latest skincare obsession on Instagram last week, and people went kind of nuts for it because it is so good. So what I shared were the Kula Sun Silk Drops, which I've been using as my SPF and my primer for makeup. And you guys, it is like the greatest dewy, glowy skincare hack ever. And it's also giving you protection using their full spectrum 360 degree technology, which helps mitigate the effects of blue light, infrared rays and pollution. And Kula also has some other amazing products in their new organic skincare collection that supports the skin's natural barrier and helps to fight modern day aggressors. So I also really like the Vital Rush Skin Renewal Serum. It helps to revitalize stressed skin with an organic blend of plant power ingredients. And they also have the Great Barrier Cream Fortifying Moisturizer, which uses the healing power of the sea with organic ingredients like sea kelp and blue algae to really help boost hydration and help fortify your skin's natural barrier. So if you want to give your skin what it's really craving, check out Kula's organic skincare on Kula.com. That's C-O-O-L-A.com. And they are even giving you guys 10% off your first order with the code BLONDE. That's B-L-O-N-D-E. Again, Kula.com and the code is BLONDE. Do you feel like the response to your show has changed at all? And is the kind of climate that we're in right now affecting your work at all? I am different than Michael, where I do not look at the feedback unless it's something that's constructive written on my Instagram or DM to me that I feel like I can improve on. If it's something that's a troll, bridge troll comment, I don't pay it any attention. And that's just something I've learned over the last 12 years of doing this. It's not productive for me to sit and and listen to what everyone has to say. I'm a big believer if you're not in the arena, like, don't criticize. It's it's a waste of energy. I personally would never go to someone's Instagram or podcast and write something negative. So I kind of don't understand that. The climate is also obviously changed. People get offended easier. But I think it's even more necessary now to be yourself than ever. Like it, it's more, you're not going to capture everyone. So get over that idea that everyone's going to like you. There's going to be people that are drawn to you and people that aren't. So with the climate change where I can see people getting in trouble is they're overly censoring themselves because they're scared of the reaction. Yep. No, I think, I mean, 
if you go back in the history of Lauren and I show, and it's just the history of who we've been as people, we've ne- we've we've never been conformists. And when I say conformists, I mean, I think if you're somebody that adopts a blanket set of ideals, like we'll take with politics. When someone tells me they're Republican or Democrat, I zone out because I'm like, if you've adopted somebody else's set of beliefs without questioning those beliefs, you're just conforming. You don't really have an original thought. You're just taking a subset of ideas that aren't necessarily yours and blankly setting them for yourself. So what Lauren and I think have always been is we've been contrarians, like where we will say, okay, that idea works for me. That one doesn't. Let's question. And if you go back to the history of our show, we've always been that way. I think the climate now, we've gotten to a place in society where people, if you don't pick a side or fall in line with, you know, a label or a subset of ideas that it's, it's this us versus them mentality. And for us, we're like, let's hear all sides of it and, and present all sides and then question, like, does that work for me? Does that work for them? And so I don't think that we've changed. I think that the that society has changed and to try to put people into boxes and we just refuse to be put into a box. Mm-hmm. We yeah. don't want to be a label. Yeah. And I think that, you know, my friend and I who's here were talking about this earlier about how there's this standard of perfection now where we're expecting people to be perfect and not be fallible and not misspeak and not make a mistake and learn from it. And it's just so unrealistic. And, you know, it's it's to our detriment as a society, I think. And I don't want to get too far into this, but it's just very interesting to me. And I I think that, like, there's a lot of misdirected anger. People I also are letting think it out that it. No, we're expected to be so perfect and, yeah. and curated and this and that. But at the same time, don't use a filter. Right. Right. <laughs> If there's so much hypocrisy going on. Yeah. I believe if everyone who was online spewing hate used that energy to put into something they were building, it would be incredibly more productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I feel bad for people that create fake accounts. Like that takes 10 minutes of your day. And then to go seek someone out and write things. And it's just, it's a negative space. And, and you have to just look at it from a pragmatic standpoint, which it's like, oh, what's going on in their life that they have to do that? Again, if it's constructive, for instance, you know, Lauren, you say like too much. That's something I can work on. But if someone's saying, you have the most annoying voice ever, this is the voice I was born with, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, that's not something that that I can really actively change. And that's like a hateful comment. So I think you just have to put it in different buckets. Mm-hmm. I, I am sad for people that feel the need to behave or perform in a way that they feel will not get them in. Like, like if you, to me, that feels like such an inauthentic life, right? If like everything you're saying and doing is because you're worried about offending somebody else, like that, that's not an authentic way to live. And it's also a really difficult way to learn. Like I may say something that's stupid on the show and be like, oh, and get some flack for that. And you know, be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Why can I learn? But if I'm constantly worried about expressing how I actually feel or think in that moment, there's no way you can perform for a long time in this medium because it's impossible, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. we're doing this for Lauren and I, we do it eight times a month. You're having conversations with all sorts of different people. If I'm constantly having to guard what I say and think and feel, like it, yeah. it's not going to be you're fun gonna for You're going to misstep and yeah, it's going to be... I actually find it attractive too when people are wrong and they say I'm yeah. wrong. Like I, I would have liked to have seen Stassi Schroeder stay on Vanderpump Rules mm-hmm. so we could have seen what she learned and mm-hmm. how she was educated and her redemption through that whole thing that happened instead of just canceling the person and taking them off air. I think that it's more interesting to actually watch the person learn and evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, the standard that we're set to that everything has to be perfect is is out of control. Yeah. And I think that we were talking about this on your show too, like people want to identify and they want, they want to be able to relate to someone and and not see perfection. But then there is this standard of perfection, like that you can't 
do or say the wrong thing without being canceled. So it's very interesting. But the idea of cancel to me is really interesting. Like, what does that mean? Like, to me, I feel like I get canceled every day. Like there's a certain amount of people that are like, I don't like this guy anymore or this girl. I'm not falling. That's well, fine. Uh, we should just cancel, cancel. That, but that's their <laughs> yeah. personal choice. But the idea that people think they can stop me from speaking on the internet I, is laughable. Like yeah. I, like whether you're with a network or you're on it, like you, nobody can really cancel you. They can, people can stop consuming your content. Advertisers can choose to go other places, but like this idea that you can actually cancel someone and erase them if you don't like what they're saying or making, or, or making you feel like, that is absurd. If you don't like someone's content, turn them off. Don't look at it anymore. Don't read it. Don't listen to it. But the idea that you're going to try to band together and get everybody else, like to, to me, that's just, it's a little bit childish. It's like a playground stuff. I think that a better conversation, to, like, listen, it's okay to hold people accountable and say, I didn't like that. Or if somebody really does a, a, a critical mistake to hold them accountable, especially if it's a crime or something mm-hmm. like that. But this idea of trying to protect people's feelings it's a very dangerous place to get to because what we're doing is we're stripping people of the tools to be able to have resilience to get through things that they're not necessarily comfortable. For me, I have a young daughter. I would never want to take that opportunity away from her for her to learn how to be resilient, how to get through things that she doesn't like. If someone picks on her in the school, I want her to have the tools to continue to to grow and be a human and not be, you know, stifled from that. And trying to protect people from the ugliness of the world because it's never going away, to me is just a bit absurd. Mm-hmm. I went back to school last year and it's been a long time, 15 plus years since I've been in school. And it's very interesting going back as an adult and seeing everything that has trigger warnings and this and that and the way that they are really coddling people, I think, um, like to your point, you know, to not um, be resilient. And and it's just crazy. It's crazy. And I feel like any adversity I've ever had in my life has helped me way more than the, the best good times. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's, like, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think also, and I've talked about this on the show, and Lauren, forgive me, but, you know, and Lauren's been open this at a young age, you know, she lost her mother. And I think people, you know, when, when anyone, and you've had trauma in your life, whenever you, you know, witness or have serious trauma in your life, your perspective changes on what you think is a big deal and what you think is not a big deal, right? Like if you've been through some of the things both of you have been through, some other things may not seem as important to you as what other people perceive as. And it's not to take away their feeling, but it's to point out that, some of this stuff that everybody thinks is such a big deal for other people is not a big deal at all. And you have to respect both sides of that opinion. Um, but we can't expect everybody to adopt the same mentality and to decide that everything is important just because it's important to you. Like what's important to me is important to me. I don't expect that to be important to you or Lauren. Um, I may share my opinion, but you may say, okay, Michael, like no big deal. And same thing with everything else. Like we, 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 we got to get away from this thing that like, just because it's important to me or you or us, can I give that an it example has to be important on to what you're else. saying? Sure. You just said, I just heard him scream, fuck, shit, across the, across the whole office. And I'm thinking, what, like, what, is someone hurt? Like, what happened? The pool heater went out. No. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, so what? lost it in the what? great Texas freeze. No, it's no, not but a big this deal. Is a very, no, it's, it's, this is a very good example of something that's, like, a big deal to you. It's, well, it's, it's like, not a that big of a deal. I'm just pissed off that I got to replace this the fucking fuck pool shit, here. though, like, in the way you say it, it just doesn't need to be there. And it doesn't need to up my cortisol. But that's, that, I mean, that's exactly just my a, point. a little therapy is, on air. We all feel that if we think something's important to us, everybody else in the world has to feel that same impact or that same importance on that same subject. And it's it's not realistic. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Mm-hmm. It, it's impossible for you. Like, you know, I love my wife very much. I'm sure you love her too. But the, the amount I love, that I love her is probably not the same that you love her. Like it's it's a different thing. And if mm-hmm. I was looking at you, like I'm pissed off that you don't love her as much as me. 
Like that's where we're getting to a place. It's like we we have to get away, like let people feel their own feelings and act their own way and stop trying to push our own beliefs on everybody else. Yeah. Like relativity. I think also that the added thing that we are kind of in a bubble right now because of COVID, that makes it so much worse. But kind of switching gears, um, I think a lot of people are kind of reevaluating their lives and their relationships and where they live and their jobs and everything because of COVID. And you said that you've been blogging for 12 years, right? You guys have been kind of trailblazers. Did you always know what you wanted to do and you just set out to do it and you were kind of fearless? Or do you have tips for people who might be feeling kind of trepidatious, like they want to make a change, but they're nervous or they're uncertain or they're feeling fear about it? I would say that I I have tips for both. I'm by nature in like my soul, a brand builder. Like if I could go back and do something else in my life and I had to pick something other than what I'm doing, it would be brand. So I definitely launched the Skinny Confidential knowing I wanted a brand. That was very important to me. And I knew that the brand had to be bigger than me. And I think at that time when I started, there wasn't a lot of influencers that were building brand um, bigger than them, other than like, if you look at Cupcakes and Cashmere, like she was doing that. And um, I just felt like there needed to be more influencers that were building it bigger than them. And what I mean by that is bringing other people up, featuring other people on their blog, on their Instagram, whatever that was. So I started knowing that this was a long game and I didn't make a dollar for three years and I did it seven days a week. So it was definitely a very long game for me. It was not overnight. Um, And that's why I think it is important to say 12 years because nothing about anything I've ever done has been quick. But I do think if you're out there and you're listening and you want to launch a blog or a brand or an Instagram, I would start very, very micro. So let's say you want to be a blogger. I always say like start and you actually did this use Instagram as a micro blog. And once you've developed a small community, and I'm talking 100 followers, whatever it is, start bringing that to your Instagram stories. And then if people are still interested, then start a blog. I think people come in now and they're like, I have to get a TikTok and a podcast and a blog. And just start really, really small and slowly work out. It's like the upside down triangle theory, like start with your niche and go out slow. Put yourself out there slow as opposed to all at once. I would say if you're out there saying you're nervous, and I'm really blunt about this, it's an excuse. That is an excuse that is that is holding you back because you're scared. So I would examine and journal, and you, you said this on our podcast, journal why it's making you nervous. Are you scared what your high school friends are going to think? Are you embarrassed in front of your significant other? What are the things that are holding you back? And then realize that none of it matters. The why is really important. And once you can work through that, I think it's a lot easier to do what you did, which is launch fast and adjust because it's never going to be perfect. And I can tell you there's never been in the whole entire time I've created content for 12 years, there's never been a time when I'm like, this is perfect. There's always something I'm going to find wrong. I've just chosen to let go. Chuck always says, if you think that you have the best idea and that it's perfect, don't do it. (laughs) It's good advice. I think... For me, it goes back to like labels and boxes again. I mean, there's no, if you were to map out my personal career, there's no reason that I should be running Dear Media and hosting a podcast. Right? I started in real estate and then went to aviation and manufacturing and marketing. Like it was a completely nonlinear path to here. And I, for the longest time when I would do interviews, I would have a really hard time when people say, well, like, what do you do? 
And I'd be like, well, like you could use the label as entrepreneur or business builder. And like, but people really wanted to put me in this box of like, this is this very specific thing you do. And I think we've gotten to a place where like the, the current economy doesn't reward just one thing. Like people do different things and they evolve into different roles. Um, and so for young people or anybody listening to this, I think not worrying so much about what the label or the classification is in like you and your personal career and having the ability to say, okay, like sometimes I'm going to change and go after. But to your point, um, you have to take action and you have to get going. You can't just constantly wait and second guess yourself about why you should be doing something or why you shouldn't be doing something. There's a book, I can't remember which one it was, but they use the analogy of like throwing a rock and throwing pebbles. Have you heard this? They're like, if you throw a bunch of small pebbles in the water, it's going to make little ripples around each of them, but not anything profound. But if you throw a boulder in there, it's going to make waves, right? So I'm I'm curious what you guys think about the landscape right now where there are so many platforms. There's podcasting, there's Clubhouse, which I it's like a whole other thing. Um, TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter. You know, do you think that people have to diversify eventually or should they start with one thing and then go to the next? I personally, if I was starting out right now, would start like I said, a micro blog on Instagram mm -hmm. and my handle would be something very, very niche. And I use this example all the time and I actually think someone got the handle, but at that target girl, right? So she starts showing her finds on Instagram of things that she found in Target that are under $20. And she takes a picture and she writes about why it's cute, how much it is, what's the link, it's in bio, it's an affiliate link. And then she sort of builds a following off that. And then before you know it, she has, you know, 20,000 followers and she's gotten Target's attention. They're reposting her. She's getting followers from Target. And then Target says, we want to pay you for a collaboration. And so she starts collaborating with Target and being sort of an insider. And then before you know it, she's like Kristen S. And she has a hair care line in Target. And what she's done is she's essentially gotten herself on Target's radar and they've been able to elevate her and she's been able to elevate them. And so it's a win, win, win. Those are the kinds of things I think are go going to start standing out. Like instead of doing a podcast and just saying it's an interview show, that's too broad. What what else is it? What is there something where you can go on and find a morning routine? Is there like a podcast? We're doing this one today, like things that are maybe holding you back. There needs to be more than just um, it needs to be more of a niche rather than something very general. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I have mixed feelings on this because. Like you'll you'll get a guy like Gary Vee who we admire in the space and who we've had on the show and and all that stuff. And his big thing is go where consumer attention goes. And I 100% agree with that. Like Lauren and I, we we look constantly about the platforms that are emerging and where consumers are going. But I would caveat that with telling creators, especially new creators, not to spread themselves too thin in the beginning. Because when you try to do everything, you end up doing nothing. I'm the reverse. I'm not on that many platforms. Like actually, like my social footprint is pretty low. It's but on the podcast, it's pretty big. Um, but that's because I enjoy the podcast and I found a medium that that doesn't, to me, doesn't feel like work. So I think a lot of creators get spread thin because they start doing something on Instagram and they get a little traction. Like all of a sudden TikTok comes along, like shit, I got to get off Instagram and focus on TikTok. And then that, like then Clubhouse comes on, like, wait, do I got to go on Clubhouse? And you end up spreading yourself so thin in the beginning that you actually end up capturing no one. So I do think it's important for creators to start off by picking the medium that speaks to them the most and works for them the best and build a large scale audience there and then think about expanding as you can add more team members or as you can take on new platforms. Mm -hmm. Also, instead of wasting time DMing people and asking them to pick their brain for coffee or to hop on a 15 minute Skype call, 
start a podcast, build it up and talk to the people that you want to talk to for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. It's 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 all about looking at something and shifting your mindset. Um, so I think when whatever platform that you're choosing, make sure you're putting your energy in the early times towards stuff that's actually going to move the needle. DMing 100 people asking for coffee. Okay, starting a podcast, doing 100 episodes, and then talking to the people that you want to talk to for an hour and a half. To me, that's more valuable. Yeah, I love that. So speaking of your podcast, one of the questions that people asked me so much when I gave them an opportunity uh, for this episode was, how do you rifle through all of the information that you get. You guys have so many guests on, so much different information. How do you decide what to apply to your lives? I think I'm I'm pretty picky about the content I let in, in in the way where if I don't feel like it's providing me value, I won't watch it. So if someone's Instagram, like I don't, I watch probably three people's Instagram story and all of them give me value. As far as who we bring on the podcast, it has to be a win for the audience. Um, the person has to have a unique perspective. Um, we're not just trying to batch a bunch of interviews to batch a bunch of interviews. I would rather just do solo episodes or do an episode with Michael than just have all these people on. I guess when I want someone on the podcast is they have a unique perspective, which I already said, but maybe they're a resource. I love a story. If you had an interesting life and you can really tell your story on this medium, that's really powerful. I don't really care how many followers someone has. That doesn't matter to me. We've had all different kinds of, you know, big, small influencers. We've had celebrities. We've had the everyday person, whatever it is. As long as you have that story and that unique perspective, we're pretty open. It's like, it's like books. It's like when you read a lot, right? Like you're not like, I'm a big reader and I, and I know I'm not retaining everything, but you know, like when you're, if you read and you're sitting at a dinner party and something comes up and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, like I have a weird random fact that's buried in the back of my subconscious for something. I read a book one time, like went all crazy on the history of salt and how it used to be more (laughs) worth more than gold and how people used to use it as currency. And like, Stuff like that. You and is, Chuck would be BFFs. It's, just it's, it's not like day-to-day useful <laughs> information, <and> <laughs> um, but it's nice to have a, a wealth of knowledge that has that's from different backgrounds and perspectives on different subjects. And I, I view the podcast the same way. There's some things that immediately resonate. Like we just had a guy on the show, um, Dave Meltzer, and he was giving us some tools on how to schedule our calendar in a better way and structure our calls. And like that's something I immediately apply. Or later we'll have somebody that is a doctor, um, you know, like we'll have Will Cole or another doctor that's talking about something and I'll be at the grocery store and be like, oh, well, maybe I can make that switch. So, you know, Lauren and I, we are learning at the same time as the audience, you know, like when we have a guest on the show. Um, and I like the idea that we get firsthand access to these amazing people to kind of like pick and choose from their tools. And over time, like some things will surface, some things immediate, some things will go right over the head. But it's not like we get someone on and we have to use all of their information or agree with it immediately. And as far as like picking subjects to talk about, like on the blog or on Instagram, I I really, and I keep saying this word, but I love, I'll say, I'll, I'll use another word than niche. I love random things that haven't been talked about enough or like ancient practices. So like talking about gua sha or just like, and gua sha is obviously very trendy now, but I mean, I love to talk about those ancient practices before they've really been explored. For instance, something that's really interesting to me, and I'm sure you've talked about this before, is grounding. Mm -hmm. To be able to access the earth and go outside, it's free. So when I talk about that, I know, oh, everyone can do this. We can all take our shoes off and go put our feet in the sand or the dirt or the grass. And that's very interesting to me because, like I said, anyone can do it. And it's something that you could do right then and there. It's taught The show's taught us 
to will communicate better, hopefully, with each other, but also to just keep a much more open mind, right? Like before the show, I think we were both probably a little bit more closed-minded. You have people on over the years that like, whether they're too woo-woo or their ideas way out there. I think people think that anyone that comes on our show, we completely agree with. Mm-hmm. Like there's been people on the show where we've gone, we don't agree with that at all, but mm-hmm. I'm interested in Lauren's interested in hearing the perspective and trying to understand like why they came to their conclusions. And I wish more of the world would do that. So, you know, people may tune into our show sometimes and be like, I absolutely hate this guest and don't, don't identify with it at all. But I think those are the conversations we should lean into more because it's counter to what we typically think, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps you evolving as a human. I'm very interested in people that I don't agree with. Yeah. I actually seek them out. I don't want my friends to have all the same opinions as me. I want all different ideas around me. I'm not interested in, in someone sitting across from me and we agree on everything. That's, I mean, it's boring. It's part of the problem in society right now is we're in these echo chambers. We're like, I hate this person. And then you get 75 people around you like, I hate that person too. And it's like, but there's a whole other group of people that love that person. And you're missing a part of life and a part of the world. And if you don't marry both of them together, you can't be a well-rounded person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, I think that sometimes the most interesting podcasts are when a really good podcaster can bring somebody on who has different views from you and you can empathize with the, the guests that you disagree with and you can understand them and see where that perspective comes from. This show is supported by our friends over at Ned CBD. I am sure you've heard of CBD. In fact, you've probably been inundated with ads and maybe you're wondering what it actually is. Well, CBD is good for helping symptoms of anxiety, stress, insomnia. It can help with nausea, pain, and more. And I've talked about this before, but in addition to lifestyle modifications that I ramble about all the time, like meditation, Ned CBD has helped me so much with panic attacks that I started having last year and this physiological manifestation of anxiety that I was experiencing, even when mentally I didn't feel anxious. It was so weird, very disturbing, and it just really got so much better when I started using Ned. So that and the sleep blend when I experience bouts of insomnia have been so helpful. So Ned's CBD is gently and safely extracted. They don't use heat or high pressure. The products contain zero isolates and synthetic ingredients, and they're fully transparent. They share third-party lab reports on their site, so you know what you're getting. You also know where it's coming from, which is an independent farm in Colorado. So they have a full-spectrum hemp oil, like I talked about, the sleep oil, which I love. They also have a natural cycles line for hormone regulation. They have body butter, which is amazing, lip balm. And they also have some really amazing products available for subscription members. Like recently, they had this nutritive herbal sea salt, which I've talked about before, but it's so good. It has like dill and other herbs. I put it on everything. It's amazing. And then they also have the Mellow, which is the magnesium blend, which does not have CBD in it, which I like to drink at night. And it's absolutely amazing. So if you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, go to www.helloned.com slash blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E, or enter blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E at checkout for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. That's helloned, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping.
You guys may have heard of Athletic Greens, but I want to tell you why I love it so much and why it really resonates with me and why I think it will resonate with you and could be a really great part of your daily lineup. So it was developed because the founder was doing everything right, eating clean, working out, doing all the things, and was still experiencing gut and other issues that he could not figure out. And when I heard this, I was like, yep, I can relate. I have been there. It's so frustrating. I'm sure a lot of you guys have been there too. So Athletic Greens was born out of that situation and has been meticulously developed to help others who may be experiencing the same thing or who just want to ensure that they are getting all the good essentials. So one tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. And it all works together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet. It helps to increase energy and focus. It helps with digestion and supports a healthy immune system all without the need to take multiple products or pills. Seriously, adding this is such an easy daily habit that can really improve our lives. And I give it to my husband and I'm traveling this week, so I'm giving some to my family. And I just like knowing that we are all getting these things daily. So Athletic Greens continues to obsessively improve this one holistic formula based on the latest research and the product has gone through 53 iterations and counting. They go above and beyond in third-party testing to ensure their customers continue to receive the highest quality and best daily nutritional habit on the planet. And... Right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during the winter months. They are offering you guys, my audience, a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. So you'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. So simply visit athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles and join health experts, athletes, and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles, B-L-O-N-D-E-F-I-L-E-S, and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. One of your fortes, Lauren, is beauty. So I can't, (laughs) I would be remiss to not talk to you about beauty. Um, How has your approach to beauty changed over the years? It definitely changed when I got pregnant. I I cleaned up my products and not not in like an all holistic way, but I just really started examining ingredients and what I was putting on my skin. Um, I started finding really small businesses where they make their own batch skincare. So like maybe there's like a facialist in, uh, you know, Orange County that makes all small batches. Um, so I love finding finding little tricks like that. I definitely am a huge, and I talk about this all the time, fan of facial manipulation. It's changed my life. I run puffy. I have wine face sometimes. Like things like are not tight and snatched at all times. And I find the number one thing is 
using hands or tools or ice. I just love facial manipulation. I really do think if you do it on a day-to-day basis, it's so preventative. And then as far as like, I love Botox. That was hard not getting it for nine months. I love a spray tan. I get violet tones when I do a spray (laughs) tan. And probably something that you said on our podcast, which is slowing down. So putting times in my calendar to walk, doing breath work, taking cold showers every day, those little tiny things that don't seem like a big deal at the time add up. Mm -hmm. Even getting to bed earlier, turning off the TV at a certain time, getting red light in my room. Just I'm a big believer in the little tools every single day are really those habits that set you up for success. How has it rubbed off on you? On me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I told, I told you this minute, I mean, like I'd have to be a real dumb shit. Can I cuss on this show? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, to not have some of it rub off on me. And we've had so many, you know, wellness practitioners, doctors, skincare experts. And so, you know, I'm not out there preaching to men that they got to go and change their face and get surgeries. Like, if you, like, you know, a lot of guys get threatened by that. They think like they're not men. You don't want to get that. threads? Um, no. After, after the story, you told <laughs> me I'll no. thread your balls later. <laughs> but I do think there's like very simple things. Like if Lauren, you know, when she showed me, okay, these are very simple way to take care of your skin or here's a serum or it's like, oh, like, oh, okay. Like it's not like from a cellular level, from like mm-hmm. a health, from a health level, it's pretty simple to do. It's like brushing your teeth and the, and the results are pretty significant. So, um, I'm more conscious now that where, when I was growing up, it was like slap a little dub soap on the face and hit the streets. I like uh, how you said that though, like from a, from a cellular level, I had somebody on recently and he's a cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Paul Jared Frank. I don't know if you've had him on. Yeah, I haven't had him on, but I know who that he's is. He's great. You guys should have him. And he was talking about how like your outward appearance is a manifestation of how you treat yourself ultimately. And you can, you know, he's like, you can do all the things externally, but if you're not taking care of yourself inside, like it's not going to look good. And he says that he has clients who come to him and they're like, I need more Botox. I need more filler. Okay. Give me threads. Give me laser. Give me this. Give me that. And they're never happy. And then he's like, why don't you go meditate? He does TM also. I was like, I knew it (laughs) because he looks like he's 20 and he's like 55. And They'll go and they'll change something in their lifestyle. They're, they'll start meditating. They'll change who they're hanging out with. And they come back to him and then they're happy. And and they're like glowing, literally. So that's really interesting. Who you hang out with is so important. I, I never, I, I'm a, a big fan of that and whose content you consume. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know anything about wellness before. I, was, I mean, literally, like I woke up, I got dressed. I went to work or did what I like. I didn't, there was no like routine. There was no yeah. meditation. There was no red light. There's no skin. And I think about, okay, well, I would have probably just carried on like that my entire life. I think a lot of men do. Um, but by, I, I think I'm more effective by realizing, okay, like there's time to do wellness or time to take care of yourself, take care of your skin, like feel healthier, like all those things. And it enables me to be more successful in other areas of my life. So, um, you know, it's rubbed off on me pretty significantly. I'm, you're rubbing off on me that I need to do TM. You've mentioned it a lot. It seems like it's really affected your life in a really positive way. Yeah. And something that I didn't mention on your show was the way that I was kind of influenced to do it was that I started noticing that a lot of people around me did it, people that I really admired. And I was at dinner with a couple who were like 80 years old, maybe a little bit older, and they were so youthful. And I mean, act young young energy, look young. And I asked the woman what her secret was. And she said, TM, she had been doing it since the seventies. And I was like, all right, if that's the key to aging, (laughs) say no more. So, you know, my original like motive was kind of vain, but yeah, I mean, it totally changed my life. When you do it, do you have to be in a certain place or could you just do it in your car? You can do it anywhere. Chuck and I, he does it too. 
We did it in the courthouse in New York when we were getting our marriage license, like downtown. I mean, so much commotion going on around you. Um, you can literally do it anywhere. Are your eyes open or closed? Closed. So you just close your eyes mm-hmm. and you just say your mantra for 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh but, my God, but I gotta do this. But it's effortless. So you don't have to sit there and say that your mantra is so hum, which is just like a, it's not my mantra, but it's um, one that's commonly used in other kinds of meditation. You think of your mantra, but your mantra is going to slip away. You know, your mind is going to wander. That's what your mind does. And maybe five minutes later, you'll be like, oh, and you'll remember it and you just bring it back gently. Um, It's not this like harsh thing that you have to sit there and be like, okay, so hum, so hum. You know, it's... I'm going, you sold me. (laughs) Influence. (laughs) (laughs) You're going with me. No, I'd be interested in learning the proper way because I think that... For talking to people like yourself, that to me has been the unlock. Everyone that swears by it, they're yeah. like, oh, I went and was actually trained how to do this. Because it doesn't get diluted that way. And yeah, I mean, with TM specifically, and people are going to listen to this and be like, she is part of a cult. Like, this, <laughs> this is weird. But so many highly, highly effective people do it and really rely on it. Um, and you guys are highly effective people. So I think you would... <laughs> When do you have to keep going back or once you learn it, it's done? So you do the four days consecutively and it does cost money, which I think is one of the barriers that a lot of people feel there. And it makes them skeptical. Why would I pay for this? But if you really think about it, it makes sense. And and the money goes to the foundation and that's it. But once you do that introductory four-day course, then you have lifetime access. You can go to group meditations if you want. You can go to any TM center. You can do a refresher. So at the beginning of COVID, I was feeling like I was just not, I was sitting there and I was like thinking the mantra, but I was also thinking about 10 other things I had to do and I wasn't really feeling the benefit. And so I did like a 20-minute meditation and like like a session with my um, teacher and she just kind of brought me back. So you have lifetime access to everything. I gotta try it. I gotta try it. It's pretty crazy. If you do, let me know how you like it because it's like, yeah, it's pretty profound. This is like so weird, but it kind of goes off with what you're saying. I'm really, really into sound bowl therapy. (laughs) I've seen that on your story. Like really into it. And there's something that it does to my cortisol. I'll be very anxious Mm -hmm. and I'll just do the sound bowl and it does something to your frequency. And Kanye West was, I think he was on David Letterman, and he said the reason that he started his church was because he noticed that you can change the frequency of a room by certain sounds and music. So his church is at a very, uh, it's a very opposite frequency, and I might be saying this wrong, than something that's like very high cortisol. And what's so crazy is I play the sound bowls and my daughter just sits there and just stops whatever she's doing. She could be watching Frozen or crying or whatever, and I'll play it and she stops. And so I'm really interested. And if anyone knows, DM me in learning more about like going to a class where you can lay on a mat and hear sound mm-hmm. bowls. It's so beautiful to me. Interesting. And admit you're that. obsessed too now because you were skeptical and now you're <laughs> Well, into I would uh, appreciate if you took a class on how to play them properly. <laughs> no, I think I play them good. Yeah. I'm going to text you the link of where I got these Yeah, bowls, I want to get some because they're now magical. I'm doing like... I always just did my meditation. Now I'm like adding in the incense and the sage and yeah. the Palo Santo and everything. So like Chuck comes down in the morning and I'm like... <laughs> Lauren, Lauren like lights the, the, the house on fire. Yeah, <laughs> on fire, but at least I'm calm. Yeah. So I definitely need to add the sound bowls and really he'll be like, oh my God. <laughs> and I 
actually think I'm pretty good at playing them, so that's rude. Lauren's dad told her she was like an incredible singer when she was a kid, and she took it and ran with it. It's <laughs> like, she's, she's, you know, she's got a lot of talents. I don't know Thank if that's you. Oh, my God. So you mentioned your daughter. How has having a daughter changed everything for you? How has it changed you professionally, personally, all of that? I was not focused on kids at all. I was not, it wasn't even really in my ether. And when we got pregnant, obviously we're so excited, but it was like after 500 margaritas and, you know, it happened. And so it's truly been so amazing. I'm obsessed with it. Um, She is the cutest. Thank you. Thank you. So cute. Um, It's been so fun. And I think it's surprised me and and it's made, it's checked my ego because I I was like, oh, I'm not maternal. I'm this, I'm that. And and then I realized, oh my God, I am. And I was, I, maybe I was like pushing that away because I I didn't want to explore that side of myself. And I was like hustle and work and, and blah, blah, blah. But after having a child, it's so incredible to see half of him and half of me and that maybe sounds narcissistic, but I'm just being honest, like she does little things that he does. And it just, it's, it like warms my heart. Well, it's like, uh, it's, a, I mean, every parent probably says it's a huge perspective shift, right? You stop the focus before I think is, at least for me personally, was a lot more on self. Obviously you like live for your wife too, but really in a way, like you're still like very, it's yourself. Um, and when you have a child, I think most people find that you start living and doing things for the child. Like there's always this, this other perspective. And it's a weird thing to go through because it completely alters the way you think about everything, the way you think about work, the way you think about relationships, the way you think about your time. You know, like if for me, if I have a spare moment of time, I want to spend it with her. And so people have to have a damn good reason now to get my time, right? Like if my, if my guy friends are like, Hey, I want to go out and just, you know, drink all night. Like I'm not as interested anymore. I want to go out and do like, it has to be a purpose. Um, and so I, I think it's it's interesting to go through that so immediately, um, and it's something you can't plan for. But I mean, it's the great, it's the it's the best. How do you feel about like the future of social media? And we were talking about beauty before and beauty standards and all of that. I mean, do you have any concerns now that you have a daughter? It won't be a problem for her because at thirteen we're moving to Amish yeah. country, <laughs> and we are getting. Well, that's good. I'm you have a plan. No, it's concerning, right? It is very concerning. It's very gnarly. But I'm hoping that again the pendulum will swing and mm-hmm. like what's popular now. Maybe it's like how meditation everyone so into meditating and like disconnecting. I think that that that's going to be more and more sought out as we get older. I'm hoping, but the phone is addicting. I mean, you do have to be disciplined about your habits on the phone or you'll be scrolling for hours. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a no phone rule in the morning. I don't want to even look at my phone for two hours. I do think that because of the experiences Lauren and I have had using social media and I'll, and I'll preface this, using it primarily as a means to run a business, right? Like, so maybe our, our experience was a little bit shifted than somebody who's not using it for anything else but consumption, mm-hmm. right? I'm trying to navigate this the right way. I think that we will be able to provide, hopefully, a perspective on how to use these tools for good and productive things and how to guard yourself against the the things that are not so or good. Or we won't, and she'll have to learn. I'm not going to micromanage but, but, that. She's, she, it's either like she's going to learn and or... But she, what I'm saying is that we have some perspective to share like yeah. things mm-hmm. that are good. Because I think people uh, take these blanket statements like social media is terrible or social media is... like there's, it's, there's good and bads that come with everything. Mm-hmm. Just I think a lot of people don't know how to contextualize and, fra- and, and put them in a framework where it's like, okay, like now's the time to use these for good and productive. 
productive things. Now's the time to to recognize that it's not so productive and could be bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard to have discipline around it. And I think, I don't know how it was for you, but for me, like I'm a rock bottom person. I have to get to a point where like, I'm so sick of my own behavior and sick of my own shit to make a change. And I had to get to a that point with social media too, where I was like, this is consuming my life instead of me consuming it when I want to. And, you know, it was like, once I get to that point, then I'm willing to change my behavior around it. But how do you implement discipline around it? There's so many little things I do and it's there's weird little things. Like I deleted the Facebook app, mm-hmm. not on my screen. If I want to go on it, it's on the computer. And how often am I, am I on the computer? Not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok, it's on a nut. You know how you have it's the front screen. It's not on my front screen. Mm-hmm. I don't go on my phone two hours in the morning every single morning. And when I do pick up my phone, it has to be to pick it up for something positive. So connecting with my team, calling my dad, listening to an informative podcast. Like the first thing I do, I, and I, this is a habit that I've trained myself. I do not press the Instagram app. So sometimes I don't post stories until 11 o'clock. That is my time with my daughter. I'm not going to be consumed by my phone. I try to get off my phone two hours before I go to bed. And then this is another trick. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I noticed, so I'm like always am observing my habits. I noticed that I would click Instagram when I woke up in the middle of the night if I was, you know, bored and couldn't sleep. And so I was like, okay, how do I change this? I will not pick up my phone in the middle of the night unless it's to press the book app. That's it. Um, I think also putting your phone on airplane mode, putting it away. I let my phone die. I get off stories all the time. I take mm-hmm. I take a break. I'm not effective if I'm constantly just burning the candle at both ends. And then another little tip I do is, you know how, this is maybe hard to explain, but you know how on Instagram there's your side for your feed and then you click to the left and there's everyone else's thing that you can just scroll. Mm-hmm. I don't go to that side. Me too. <laughs> no, no. I, I was, don't go to that side. I, was gonna... I don't even look. If I if I like or comment on someone's photo, it's because I've sought them out. And then I mute stories all the time. I mute people that maybe don't add value to my life. I'm I'm very careful about what comes into my ether. Um, the only thing I would say that I do do, and it's like kind of like an outlet every day, is I love the Daily Mail on Snapchat. <laughs> but I, I don't do it as I'm going throughout my day. I'll do it while I'm having lunch. So uh-huh. it's like I will sit down and have lunch and just like read mindless shit. I, I firmly believe, uh, and, and I'll call myself out here, this last year that we just had in 2020 was one of the worst years for screen time. I think we were sucked into every kind of screen, whether it was a television screen, a computer screen on Zoom, a, the phone, you're reading the news, you're watching. So like we were forced into isolation in these situations where the only way we could feel connected was by consumption on screens, right? And I and I feel um, I'm just as guilty as that of you know the majority of people. But I think the reason people had such a problematic year outside of we're in this this like health pandemic is that we were way too connected and we were way too connected to bad and uh, I'm gonna, I don't say bad or false, just information that was harmful. And it's not that it's not true information. It's that the spread of fear and the spread of frustration immediately to everybody was very, I mean, you could see like the effect it had on the last year. And so I've gotten back personally to a place now where I'm doing everything I can to not have a screen, right? Like if it doesn't have to be a Zoom, it's a call, right? I'm like, get me on a call. If it if it I don't doesn't do video calls either. If it None. doesn't have to, um, like when I read now, I used to read on my my iPad. I'm doing everything I can to read on hard books. Like I I 
doing like, but I've recognized that we need to get away from these screens and use them when it's, when it's productive. And, and when it's not, we have to get back, you know, we have to go back to how it used to be. And, I, like, I don't want to be on Instagram unless I'm working. Yeah. It's, it, it's now that I'm a mother, it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm done with Instagram by the end of the night. Enough mm-hmm. is enough. Like the, my, I try to just focus on my business and what I'm posting. And of course, if I can support other creators by, by seeking them out and um, talking about them on my own stories, but as far as just going like this and scrolling, it's just not productive. There's mm-hmm. a book I'm reading right now called Stranger in the Woods. And it's about this guy. This is a wild story. But this guy went off into the woods in Maine. He's called the Hermit of Maine. Oh, I saw you post about this, I think. <laughs> but this guy's nuts. I mean, not nuts. He was actually not crazy. So I don't want to say that. I'll take that back. But he one day, he just drove his car to the edge of the woods and went away and lived in the woods for 28 years and didn't see another human, which is way too extreme. But right. the reason I like the book is it get they're interviewing this guy and it gets back to a place of like what happens when you disconnect and the benefits it could have on the brain. Obviously, you don't need to go away for 28 years, but mm-hmm. when's the last time each of us spent even a day without technology or two days or a week? Like, if you ask somebody, hey, put your phone away and don't look at it for two days, like p- people have a meltdown, mm-hmm. uh, myself included. So we got to get back to a place where we're not so dependent on these things. I also, there's nothing worse than a Sunday where you've realized you've laid in bed all day and gone down a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. You feel bad. If you really check in with yourself, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you're if you're on the explore page or if you're following people who don't bring you value, like you were saying, you can be in a good mood and then instantly you can see something that affects you negatively and that will change your your entire day. It's like it's so fragile. And yeah, I mean, it's tough. I think that so many of our problems too, like the anxiety and even gut issues and all these things that people are dealing with, a lot of it comes from, you know, being attached to a screen. I saw, I don't know the study at all, but I saw that they just recently did a study with checking email and IBS or checking email and some kind of, and I mean, it was like directly connected. That doesn't surprise me. I think I don't check my email. That's another thing. I check it. um, I check it maybe once a week. There's also, you that's, know, that's another that's tip. Smart. And <laughs> I feel like the longer you go on creating content, you start to see that living in your inbox, mm-hmm. it's never it's fucking whack-a-mole. ending. Yeah. Well, this new thing to people that are they say they're triggered, right? And again, this is like maybe going to trigger somebody, but the point is is that we are choosing to put ourselves in a position where we can feel triggered, which is so wild to think about. Like you're you can go and say this triggers me or I got to put a trigger warning like but it's the fault of ourselves for putting ourselves in a position where we're triggered by things we see on our screens. Mm-hmm. And I, when I feel triggered about something, I think about not how it triggered me. I think about why it triggered me. What's happening with me that it's triggering me? Mm-hmm. So after pregnancy, like I, I gained a lot of weight when I was pregnant. And I knew one of my triggers was I don't want to sit on Instagram and and see girls in bikinis all day. Like that's just not, three months postpartum. That was just not where I was at. So I went through and like made sure that 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 wasn't what I was seeing all day long. Now I'm at a different stage in my life. Maybe I'm triggered by, I don't know, something else. Like I, I don't know right now, but like I really examine why it was triggering me. Um, instead of saying, and projecting it onto someone else and saying, this is your fault. You're triggering me. Mm-hmm. No one can do anything to me. It's like mm-hmm. it's like jumping into a pond and then complaining that you're wet, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like we're, you're, you're, <laughs> right. we're, we're doing these yeah. things that we know are going to upset us and consuming things that we know we shouldn't consume case by case. Right. And then complaining about what we see. 
Um, and I think it's difficult for creators because people are, you know, that you're constantly worried about how you're going to upset somebody, but like, really, like you have to go back to the individual level. If something I see or hear somewhere is upsetting me, like, I don't blame that person. I blame myself for putting myself in that situation. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you've got to be accountable. And I think that's one of the downsides of, you know, hyper-connectivity. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good word for it. So I got a ton of listener questions and maybe we can do kind of like rapid fire, see what the big ones were. How is your relationship different now, post baby? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. Um, it does change. I think that I'm definitely more in love with my husband after having a baby because I've been able to see how he is. I would definitely say that it can get difficult, which I'm sure you've heard from from many moms, because the sleeping schedule. Like, mm -hmm. for instance, when we were in Austin, she was sleeping with us for a week and a half. And that's hard because... We didn't have her. Like, we just moved to this house and she we didn't have her room ready. And like, we didn't want to just leave her in like this barren room with no... Like, she was, you know, not familiar. So... I sleep through anything. And he wakes up if someone drops a pin. So the problem is, is he wakes up if she makes one noise and I don't, <laughs> which is kind of opposite. I mean, so he wakes up and he's, you're like in a bad mood because you've been up all night. The, the, every parent can relate. The, the, the sleep thing is hard. I mean, you get, you kind of get into this space where you kind of, it's in a weird way. You just get used to it. And I feel like, you know, p parents know, like you run through these marathons where all of a sudden, like the new norm is like, if you can get a, if you can get seven hours of sleep with a newborn kid, like that is absolute bliss, right? Where like before you could sleep eight, nine hours, no problem. Like you have to learn like- I to, can sleep eight still. Yeah. I mean, because I, because yeah. I'm up, but, um, <laughs> but no, in a, in a way, like I'm more in love, obviously with my, this is cheesy, but with my wife than ever, because you see she brought the most important thing to me in the world and into the world. Right. Like, so that's the thing, but the marriage, marriage does change and you have to work on it. Like we have to find sneaky times to, to do the boom, boom. We have to, we have to find, we have to, the way like, you just called that is the, like not a turn. You know, like right now sexy. we're doing this. We have to have a nanny help us. Like there's, it's not like, Hey Michael, we just like take off. Like we're constantly, you have this thing that's dependent on you. So you have to get a little bit more um, careful with your time and proactive and like really put effort into the relationship. Also mm -hmm. as a woman, I don't, don't think it's talked about enough what a mind fuck it is to have your body go through all this and gain so much weight and then if you're breastfeeding it's like you got that going on in your vagina if you gave birth naturally your c-section it's like all these different things that are going on with your body and I'm so used to coming to him and, and talking out my problems and I'm so used to us being on the same sort of level and he just did not understand that. I had no clue what the hell was going on. And that was very, very frustrating. How and did you deal with that? Well, a it, lot of fights. Poorly. <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of mushrooms. Uh, honestly, uh, um, poorly. Like I and, the, and I take yeah, you were really for this. he was really bad. Well, I'd give I would give you like a D. Most I think I will generalize men. We I'm used to my wife being very stable and being this person that I know very well. And then when she was postpartum, I was like my You were like he literally quote unquote What's wrong with you? I was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what do you because, mean what's wrong? Well, like, my hormones are completely out of whack. I'm 40 pounds heavier than I'm oh used my to. God. My tits are hanging on by a thread. <laughs> my vagina's bleeding. Well, I think... The baby's crying. What do you mean what's wrong with me? <laughs> so, but, so here's the problem. And, and here, we asked, like, the benefit of having some people on the show. We had postpartum experts and counselors come on and actually, like, did couples therapy with us because nice. men we are not equipped in the beginning to understand what it's like for a woman to go through postpartum. And even now, after hearing all these conversations and like doing some work myself, I still, there's no way I can relate to understand what she went through. Um, but I think if, 
if you're not used to that as a man and you don't know and you're used to your wife being a certain way, it's really challenging. And like for a while, it was and it was tough on our marriage because she was on one page and I was on the other, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it takes work. And it's I not- also didn't take a maternity leave, which is 100% my fault. And so I was getting texts from my manager when I was in labor to post things. Oh, my God. And the maternity leave, like, we're still, you know, as podcasters, like, we didn't really stop doing yeah. all the things that we had to do. And I should have taken more time off. And that's 100% my fault. So, um, and I think, like, you think, oh, you're, you're home. You can still create content. It's, I should have just taken a step back. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. So looking back, that's probably what I would do differently. Everybody is probably spending a ton of time with their significant other if they have one. You guys spend a lot of time together, given that you have worked together for such a long time. Do you have any tips for people who are feeling the strain of that? I would say find space in your house that's your own. So like he knows in the morning, like I want to make the bed without him annoying the fuck out of me. And don't throw your towel in the room because I'm making the bed and I'm listening to my podcast and then I'll work out and I have that area sort of of the house. And I know not to bother him in his office because he's he's doing his thing. We try to also, you know, we both like to do the juve in the morning or breath work. We try to like make time for that so each of us can do that. And then like tonight, we're going to go to the spa and do a couple's massage, but we're not going to be like talking and hanging out. We're mm-hmm. just going to be in the same room. There's something really underrated about being able to be with your significant other in silence. Mm. Just because Michael and I are together all the time, we are sort of independent in the way that we are, if that makes sense. Mm So on Sundays, we'll lay in bed and we're both reading a book. Um, I think there's a way to spend quality time with your significant other that's not in an annoying, I need your attention kind of way. Mm -hmm. I I think like one theme that, and this is even before the pandemic, has been common for us is... um, we talk a lot about recovery and realizing like, okay, is this something you like? You want to die on your sword here about this fight, about something stupid, like I didn't take my shoes off or something in the house. Um, and also like we can get frustrated, but we try to get to a place where we're never like unkind, attacking each other's character or trying to tear each other. Like Lauren and I really love each other. I think that's the big thing. Like, do you actually love this person? Mm-hmm. And if you don't and you're in this situation, like I actually really don't like this person, maybe it's time to split. But if you do love the person, get to a place where you're not unkind to each other and then also be like, okay, we don't have to fight. Like, if, what's the big deal thing, and what's the stuff that we could just say? Sex like that is was important. Done? Date nights are important. Making time. I think sometimes too, you have to lay down the law. Like he was just doing little Chinese torture things that were driving me nuts over the period of three weeks, and we went out to dinner, and I just decided, you know what, this is my stage tonight, and I just went off on the way, not like went off on him, but just went off on how I'm feeling, what like I feel like we can do to be productive. Sometimes I feel like they need a little, a little wake up, Mm -hmm. a little water on the face. You know what I mean? I never want people to think like, you know, the couples that are always out there and they're posting those pictures of them like dancing in a meadow or something like that. That's not us. Like Lauren and I, we get into it. Like we, there's been blow up fights. Taylor, the producer back there, uh, you know, we're in the studio. He like, one day I'm going to have him just release like all of the wild fights we've had. It's going to people are gonna be like, the one where I threw the mic at you. People are going to be like, what the hell are these people? Like, I don't want people to look at our relationship and be like, wow, this is just a picture perfect thing. There is a lot, a ton, a ton, a ton of struggle. Mm-hmm. We just work at it. Right. Yeah. And we're committed to work on it together and get to a place where we can keep moving forward. And I think a lot of couples, you know, they, they give up too early. Right. Or they, they mm-hmm. say like, oh, well, like this person said this, I'm never going to forgive them. Like, 
we we have our blowouts, but it, we that just... That is, and I would say this in front of you, that is hard sometimes when it's dating someone your age mm-hmm. because the maturity is is not going to be as crazy as someone who's 20 years older than you. So you're you'll, saying I should date someone... You'll be surprised, though. Yeah, I, think. I know that they're all immature, <laughs> but it, it, his parents are 20 years apart. Uh-huh. And I, I do feel like your dad is very stoic in his approach with your mom. He, do, he says, yes, dear. Mm-hmm. It's so have, easy. I yes, have dear. yet, though, to meet a couple that where everything's perfect and the ones that yeah. tell me it is i'm like well okay well, we'll see right. i would there. just be bored if everything was perfect i need like a little drama well, it sounds like you guys communicate so you know you hash it out but you're communicating i think where so many people get in trouble is when they like dance around each other and walk on eggshells and don't talk about anything and then there's a huge blowout and then it's like totally splitsville <laughs> and it probably does help that we're on the mic talking a lot right you like process yeah everything. we we work together but we don't if that makes sense. Like, we do the podcast together, but that's it. Uh, my advice to couples thinking about working together is to not do it, to don't do it. <laughs> I, I really, like, I tell people all that. Uh, I think if you get to a place where you absolutely have to work on something together, then, okay, you can figure out, but then you got to really define the roles. Lauren and I, people, like, my day-to-day is I run Dear Media. That's that's the company I head up. Lauren runs the Skinny Confidential. We come together and do the podcast every week or every other week or, or however, twice a week. But... Like she's running her team, I'm running my team. We're doing we have separate lives and separate things. I think the couples that go all in, like that's a very difficult thing to do. And you have to be mm-hmm. very aligned and you have to really define the roles. Boundaries are really, really important in all relationships. It's and boundaries with yourself are important. So if you tell yourself, I'm not gonna check social media for two hours and a half an hour into your day, you're you're checking it. That's something that I would examine. With relationships, like I'll give you one of my boundaries. I don't wanna talk about work when I'm in bed. I don't think that's that weird, but some people think it is weird. Some people like to talk about work <laughs> My boundary in is bed. I only talk about work in bed. I also, we just moved to a, a new place and I told him, I don't want a TV in a room. I just don't. I mm-hmm. want the, the room to be very feng shui and I, I really don't even want our phones in the room. Like I want it to be sleep and sex. So just setting little boundaries like that if you think, audited the time, though, in our bedroom that Housewives is on on that TV compared to like me. Like, it the would, reason Housewives is on, disproportionate. I'll explain this, and David Meltzer said it perfect, is when you are running all these different things during the day and there's so much chaos, it's nice to put on something mindless. It's like, I don't have to think about anything other than what's in front well, of what me. What I'm saying is the TV in the room for me is no big deal, but you, I don't know how you're going to live without Housewives in the room. I will live without it. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Sorry, we're hijacking your no, show with couples therapy. <laughs> no, I love it. So many people had questions about that anyway, so they're going to love it. What excites you the most about moving to Austin? I feel like I've always been called to a place like that. I've never, I've talked about this. I've never felt like a California boy. I never give a shit about the beach. I don't surf. I don't, um, you know, I'm not really in the, the California culture. I, I like the idea of being more central. Um, I like the Texas mentality a lot of this, like, you know, hard grit, like get up and try for big things, keep going, keep pushing. Um, I really, I like the public school system out there for our daughter. Um, nothing wrong with private schools, but for us, like Lauren and I are both public school kids and I, I want her to kind of go through that system. I love the nature. I think I've gotten beaten down here over the years in in the city. I'm just kind of sick of it. To me, cities are places where you go to hustle and work and have fun and do all these things. And I love, like New York, I was telling you, is my favorite city in the world. I love it. I think, you know, it's struggling right now. But, um, and there was a time I loved LA. But for living and getting away, you know, we're all so hyper-connected. I, I like that it's, that it it feels a little bit slower pace and it's different while also like a growth city. I, lo- I love the people. Like there's, there's nothing bad I can say about Austin. 
Um, and I just think it's really good for people to not get stuck in a set routine and to change it up once in a while. Mm-hmm. I wanted a sanctuary. And where we were living, where we are living right now, is not the sanctuary that I wanted. And what I mean by that is I wanted to be surrounded by nature. I wanted to be able to walk outside with my daughter. And to be honest, and this people are making fun of me for saying this, but it's true. I wanted to like lower my cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like our life is so go, 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 go. And we're so connected through social media that I needed a yin and yang. And so when I went there, there's this really very calm energy there. And also I feel like it gave me a lot of peace of mind. And every morning I wake up, I feel like that. Another amazing thing is we're two hours ahead from California. So when you wake up at seven, you can do all these different things before everyone wakes up. That's nice. It's all your wellness, your workout, your if you want to go infrared, like cryotherapy, all your things. And then you can get on email at 10 o'clock. And by the time it's 11 o'clock. So nice you know, then everyone else is just getting to work. So that's one thing I really like about it. I feel like I'm ahead of it instead of behind. I tend to not have the best time management. So to have that chunk is very helpful. And I just feel like ultimately for for my daughter, it's the right choice. Do you think your aesthetic is going to (laughs) change? Like aesthetic in my house or my aesthetic on my Instagram? everywhere. Instagram. Let's stick with Instagram. I don't think my aesthetic will change. I think it's going to evolve. I don't think it's going to drastically change. I always think that I'm going to keep the brand in mind, which is very pink Mm -hmm. and white, but I'm not having any pink in my house. (gasps) None. Wow. Um, so there will be no pink. I, I need a break from pink. It's you it's heard my it here job. first. You heard it. Here, you did hear it here first. <laughs> I want the the uh, house to be very very earthy. Mm. There, there's a lot of people that you know, like you will see some of the business and tax incentives in Texas, and like mm-hmm. people go, well, of course that's why they're and like that is a benefit, but like that wasn't the deciding. Oh, factor. I forgot that. That's a benefit too. It's a yeah. be- of course that's Huge a benefit. One. It's a benefit, but it's not a deciding factor, right? right. Like it's for us, it was really more about family. And like, we both grew up in California. Like we have roots here. Our family's here. Like, I, obviously this is here. Like there's, there's stuff here, but it it just felt like for us, like the next, the next change for our family, like switching it up, doing something different, going to a place that, you know, shares the values that we share. And, and also going to a place where we, where we feel like our daughter will be raised in a, in a solid environment. Like, you know, LA, West Hollywood, particularly, and honestly, all of LA uh, or Southern California, like it's chaotic. And mm-hmm. I don't, you can you can turn a blind eye to it and act like California and, and especially the cities have their shit together, but like it's a fucking mess here. And I don't, you know, anybody that wants to debate that, I'm happy to. Um, and I don't want to subjugate my daughter to it. I want her to go to a place that's a, that's a, that feels a little bit more safe and a little bit more free for her and, you know, where she can have a child's life. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I am a very spontaneous person that likes to change and evolve. So I'm not like committing myself to one area. I think that we've been our parents grew up in this place where you you get the house, you stay in the house, you own the house, you stay there. Mm-hmm. If he told me in five years, I want to move to Monaco, I want to move to New York, I want like I'm very fluid in that. I don't think I'm going to be the same person that I am today in five years. And I think that COVID, like what we've all gone through in the past year has made people realize too that like we don't, we think that we have to be in one place, whether it's for a career or family or whatever. And a lot of people have reevaluated that. And you can kind of, so many professions you can do from anywhere you can do remotely. And and so I think a lot of people are considering this. That's why I thought it would be. Your media has been remote since March of last year. 
Like every 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 yeah, we we tripled the team and quadrupled the shows. And I'm not not saying that to to, I'm saying that to point out that during a pandemic, Mm -hmm. when people like this whole idea that we needed all be in one place, there's there's team members and shows all over the place. There's Mm -hmm. people in Boston, New York, there's people in Canada, there's people in Texas, there's people in San Francisco, like including team members, right? Not just hosts. And so um, to us, we're just like, okay, if we're not location dependent and we can go and have a different type of life, like why not? Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to come visit soon. <laughs> Please come visit. <laughs> Thank Anytime. you guys so much for coming on Thank and you for, for the hundredth episode. And everybody knows where to find you, but in case they don't, where can they get all the goods? Well, go listen to your podcast because we kind of went all over the place. Um, <laughs> that's on ours. And then I think at the Skinny Confidential for me on Instagram. And Michael's at Michael Bostick. My, you're not going to find much on my on my Instagram, <laughs> but I'd say like the podcast, and then more importantly, um, just go to Dear Media and check out all the shows, including yours. That's you know yep. that's the best thing to. Yeah, to we're do. so happy you're on the network. Thank you. Your show is so amazing. I was listening to it the other day. Thank I told you, so you that, and I just feel like you're growing and growing and growing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie.